fault. Terry Church, my name is Johnny Mack. Good to see you. On the count of three, tell me your name. One, two, three. Got it. All right. No Beatrice is in the house today, though. That's good. We were talking about names this week in the, in the car. Uh, and uh, I listen to this radio show all the time and like how the different names like just kind of fade off. Like we don't have kids being named Beatrice. Maybe that needs to make a comeback. I'm just saying. Um, we're in a series called Peeled. And we're talking about that because when you look below the surface, sometimes you find things that you weren't expecting. In fact, when you get below the surface of our lives, you, you start to see what we're really all about. And I was on a trip where this was so true. I was in Costa Rica in 2011. I was with a host family. Have you ever been with somebody on a vacation or a trip where you had somebody hosting you and they put some things on your plate in front of you that you weren't sure you wanted to eat? Can I see a show of hands on that? That's right. So... Costa Rica, we're there to learn about Jesus, where our host family, Mark, is there. It's beautiful. I wasn't really a fruit kind of guy, but when you're in Costa Rica, you become one because it's not like going to Kroger and finding all the things that people have touched. Like, they go to their backyard and be like, here, here's a banana, here's an apple. Like, it's amazing. And so on our last day there, he said, I want you to try some new fruit you've never had before. And I'm like, let's go, uh, until he told me the name of the fruit. The name of the fruit was Monkey Brains. That's not exactly the kind of fruit you want to have for breakfast in the morning. I don't know about you. Someone tells you, try monkey brains in Costa Rica, a place I've never been before. That's not exactly, I, I'm, I'm maybe no. Like, I'll find a polite way to say no. He's like, no, trust me, you're going to love it. And so he said, how, how do you do this? So we get this fruit. On the outside, it looked like just another fruit. But if you're going to call it monkey brains, something different's going on. He said, just twist it and then open it up. And then I want you to try it. When you twist and open it up, this is what it looks like on the inside. Yeah, like the guttural, like, oh, like, that's kind of what I said. And I'm looking at Mark, I'm like, you want me to eat this? But sometimes when you peel back the surface, what you see below is nothing that you expected. And that was one of the best tasting fruits I've ever had. It's the perfect balance of sweet and salty. And I can't even get it today. Like getting it in the United States is really hard. And I just was so surprised by the joy of that moment of like, oh, wow, this tastes good. We are in this series field because when we get below the surface of our lives, there are some things that we're not expecting to come our way. If you have a Bible, um, go to Galatians chapter five. If you have a phone, I'm going to put a QR code up on the screen If you've not read the Bible before, I don't want you to be intimidated by it. I never like to assume that everybody in the room has read one before. But the Bible's kind of broken up to an old part, a new part. God's the same throughout. And in the new part, we have these uh, letters to churches. And it's written by this guy named Paul, who, if you peel back the layers on his life, his life has a story. Like, we all got a story walking in the room today. Some some stories are pretty drastic. Some are pretty lighthearted. His is drastic. Because if you knew him and you got to the layers of his life, he used to be called Saul. And before he was a church planner, he was a church persecutor. And he basically hated Christians and put them in jail. And even some of them died because of his leadership. Then he met Jesus and his life was radically changed. And then he became a church planner. And I want to show you, it helps me to see where we're at on the map. This is where Paul was writing to on the map. You see, this is the Mediterranean Sea. You got Spain and Italy. You see, Turkey is where this letter is at. Paul was one of the first church planners. And so much like this church is not that old. This was planted several years ago. 
Paul did the same thing all over the Mediterranean area, and he wrote letters back to those churches whenever he got back word that maybe they were getting off a little bit, where they weren't doing what they felt like was, was right in God. He was actually writing some of these letters from jail out of Rome. And so I want you to know that because as you're getting this letter, it's being written to them, and he sees some things that are lacking or sees them going some different directions. When he peeled back the layers on them, it was like, hey, church, remember, this is how we are to live. So if, you, or if you're there, um, it'll be on screen. How many of you guys had got to the age where you had to have cheaters in life? All right, I'm a good club. All right, here we go. Galatians chapter 5. Verse 16, this is what it says. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So Paul kicks off this section and he uses the term the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but growing up, the Holy Spirit was a mystery to me, like on a massive level. In fact, we didn't really talk about the Holy Spirit a lot. And I want you to know the Holy Spirit, when he says the Holy Spirit, it's not an it or a thing. That is God's presence living inside of us. See, when you commit your life to Jesus and you're baptized, he doesn't say, oh, good luck, like live this life on your own. He says, I'm going to give you another. In fact, Jesus is even quoted in saying, it's good that I go away so that he will come. That's the Holy Spirit. And he gives you two sides of the story. See, when you peel back the layers, your life can be guided by just the flesh what you want to do, your sinful desires. Or you can be guided by the Holy Spirit. So Galatians 5.22, later on it says this. In fact, this little section has some list of what it looks like if you follow the desires of your flesh. Or this in verse 22, it says, The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So if your life is guided by the Holy Spirit, this is what's possible. I, I grew up in church, and if you didn't grow up in church, there's some things that may sound weird to you. One of those things is camp. Camp is a kind of a weird thing, uh, and I wanted to go to camp, and the weird things we did, were we would memorize things, and we would go find these guys called deacons in the church, and we would tell them what we memorized, and they'd give us points, and then we could get a scholarship to go to camp. I wanted to go to camp. I wanted to go to White Mills Christian Camp, so one of the lists that I had to memorize was the Holy Spirit list of the fruits. And so I'm, I'm memorizing that list. And for the longest time, I grew up thinking that's just a list of things that I should attain to. But I've lived enough life to tell you that you know, and I know, being more patient, being more kind doesn't come naturally. Especially when you choose the wrong lane at Chick-fil-A, right? Like when you are in the wrong lane, being more patient and kind just doesn't work right? Being on I-65, some days it does not, patience does not come naturally, right? But that's when I had someone in my life flip the script. You see, they, they kind of helped me understand, my name is not actually in that verse, and neither is yours. It doesn't say the fruit of Johnny. This is the fruit of the Spirit. You see, this is a supernatural work that God wants to do in you and through you so that when it happens, you know the source. And the source of these things always comes back to him. Why does it matter? Look at John 15, 8. It says this, 
but when you produce much fruit, this is Jesus talking, you are my true disciples. That brings great glory to my Father. This is actually um, a really cool insight. This is the last days of, and last hours of Jesus' life. In fact, this is being said on the way to the garden before his death. He's having these last conversations with the disciples. And in it, we have written down the account where he says, when you produce fruit, that's how I know you're my true disciple. You see, you can go through life and believe and attend church and do all these things. But if you have no fruit, Jesus is saying, are you one of my disciples? The fruit matters. That's why we're doing this series and going through fruit by fruit by fruit, because as disciples, as people that follow, if you're a part of Jesus, we have to bear much fruit. And here's what you need to know about the truth about fruit. When it comes to the fruit of our lives, it always points back to the source. Whether your fruit is really, really good, like kindness and patience and self-control, points back to the source. But if your fruit is on the other end, if it's anger, frustration, it points back to a different source, our sinful nature. That's what's at stake in this conversation. And one of those things I want to highlight today, it says when the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy. Joy is the one I want to talk about today. Because joy, my friends, joy is a messy conversation. If we're going to be honest about joy, there's a lot about joy that we just don't understand. And there's a lot about joy that doesn't make sense. And so we're going to like get to the root of joy today, and we won't figure it all out, but I hope that today we unpack what the fruit of joy means and looks like in our life and how to start moving with it. Joy is complicated, right? Because in every December we sing songs. If you go to a church service, joy to the world. And meanwhile, like below the surface, it's, there's no joy, right? Like there we're stressed about gifts. We, are we, whose house are we going to this year? Or we have to go to the in-laws one more time. I might just jump off a cliff. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I don't know if the kids are going to have presents this year. Um, so help me if when she opens that present, she says that line about ungratefulness. Like, I might just take that present back. Like, right? And like, there's all these things, the, the malls and the, we didn't get Santa's picture this year. It's too late. We sing joy to the world, but below the surface, it's just, there's no joy. It, it's just, it's complicated and it's messy. We seem to be people that also reflect that on the regular. There's people that attend church buildings across this country on Sunday mornings. They know this. They might even own a copy of this. They sing some songs every week. They know who God is. They believe in the cross. But yet when you look at their lives, there's no fruit of joy. Why? It's possible to be part of all this and not have joy. And if that's missing, we might be missing on the fruit that's most important. So let's just ask this question this morning. We're getting a little interactive. Um, and so I hope, I mean, if you're an introvert, it'll be over soon, I promise. Um, I just want to ask this question. What does joy look like? So for the next minute, I want you to talk about it. If you're sitting by yourself, like make the long stretch around and talk to somebody, whatever you got to do. Um, and I just want you to have a conversation. What does joy look like? You know somebody that has, like you've all have a picture of joy in your head. You know, it may be that, you know, that person that's just like, you see them all the time. You're like, where does that come from? Like, take a minute. What does joy look like to you? On your mark, get set, go.
So joy to all of us has a unique like footprint in our life, a unique identifier. It, it looks different to all of us, and we've all experienced joy. I, for me, joy looks like so many different things. It, it's, a, it's a great cup of coffee. I love a great cup of coffee in the morning, especially with a friend, just enjoying a great cup of coffee. I love uh, seeing the joy. You know, last week of school was this week, and when my kids got home, it was just like there's joy. Like I don't have to wake up at the crack of dawn tomorrow to go to school. There's just there's joy. I love the joy of a surprise on someone's face when they when they get a gift that they love. Um, me personally, there's some joy in my life um, that I'm going to trust you with. I love wrestling, and I love uh, watching wrestling. You know, and I love it when someone old comes back when there's a surprise return. I love surprise returns. Like, I just love it. Like, my daughter can tell you, we were watching uh, wrestling the other night, and, and, and like, somebody came out that I hadn't seen in, like, 10 years, and I just turned into, like, a 10-year-old boy, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is great. Um, <laughs> you got it. Thank you. Thank you, Ric Flair. Um, joy, joy, man, I see joy in people. I see joy in people that I just don't understand. Anybody got something like that in your life? Like, what did you wake up drinking this morning? There's some joy. And there's one place where I get coffee in Louisville. It's called Sunnergoss. It's a weird name. It means uncommon community. And when I go in there, there's one guy that walks in the door that just takes over the whole room. You know somebody like that? His name is Assad. He's from Africa. And I want to show you a picture of Assad. Um, when I think about joy, this guy is it. Um, first of all, he speaks Somali, and I do not know what he's saying. <laughs> I have no clue. But he knows, he knows my face, and he gets up, and no matter what I have in my hands, the brother's coming in for a bear hug, whether I want one or not, and I can't believe I haven't burned myself with the coffee. I'm like, I finally like have to show my coffee before he comes in, like I saw it, gen, you know, gentle. That's, but he is full of joy. And what little I do know is that he moved his family halfway across the world to get out of a place of conflict, and he loves our country and is grateful for every cup of coffee that he gets to walk in and walk out and he just loves this place. He's full of joy. The joy often is expressed, I think, the most through our kids. Like there's something about being a kid that joy usually just permeates the soul. Like it's just there. And we can look around and see how they express joy. In fact, their relationships, I think we see so much, like the way they love their friends when they see each other. It's just a fantastic feeling. And during the pandemic, when we all had to stay home and be on screens 24-7, I saw the effect that had on them not seeing the people they love, the friends and the relationships. That's why I like when my, one of my daughters, Lucy, who's in middle school, when she got to see her best friend, Amaria, after being gone for so long from one another, not seeing each other at school every day, we had to video it. Check it out. What are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, friends full of joy because they haven't seen each other in months that like got me first service I was a mess like it just it just joy and we learn that like joy is just part of who we're meant to be as humans 
So there's a couple of things about joy I want to observe. First of all, joy, even though it's God's creation, right? Joy is not limited to those who belong to Jesus. Like, it's possible for you to leave here and to, to go find uh, a bar next Friday night and, 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 like, see a great show and see some people that don't belong to Jesus, and they're, they're full of joy for a moment. Like, joy, God allows people to experience joy and happiness away from, from Jesus. It's like, it's just part of the human condition. So joy's not limited to that. As we're going to see later, though, how lasting it is matters. And so we see people looking for joy, looking for happiness, and they find temporary moments of it. It's not just limited to us. And here's the second thing is, if you are part of the family of God, if you do belong to Jesus, joy is an essential part of being a citizen in God's kingdom. You see, when you say yes to Jesus, you don't belong to this earth thing anymore. You belong to a kingdom that's much bigger than this, a kingdom one day that will lead to heaven. And I have to tell you, Joy is actually an essential part of being in his kingdom. If you just come and go and there's no joy, you're missing something. Romans chapter 14, verse 7, it says this, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's an essential thing that we have joy. But yet, when we look around, we recognize it, but we don't always have it. So I just want to push pause on the conversation and kind of let you in a little bit. I feel the most unqualified individual up here talking about joy. Like I wish Assad was up here talking about joy because for the last several months, I've been looking for joy. My life has been under some really big struggles physically. Some things that I really can't fully understand or go into. I've just been battling some stuff since February. And there's been many days where I just didn't want to get out of bed. Because I was just like, I don't think today is going to be any different than yesterday. And I've just been struggling as a, as a person who's been following Jesus for a long time. I'm going, God, I, I can't find the joy in the midst of this moment. And so I feel very unqualified to tell you about joy because I've been personally looking for joy in some hard situations myself. In fact, I look at my soul and I look at the souls of people I know. We're, we are in desperate need of joy right now. If you take a look around beyond this church, if you look around at our community, our country, we're in some desperate need for our souls to be filled with joy and the fruit of the Spirit. So I've been on a journey, and I just want to share what God's Word and what godly people have taught me about joy so far. So if you're a note taker, these are three things that might, that might matter for you beyond the service. Um, here's the, the first thing. Lasting joy can only come from God. Lasting joy can only come from God. When you look at like temporary joy and happiness, like people have temporary joy in several moments in their life. They may have joy in situations, but the question is, does it last? And the truth is it doesn't. That's why when we try to like feed our life with addiction, we get this temporal moment, but then the other side of it is deep and dark. Lasting joy can only come from being in God's presence. Psalm 16, 11 gives us a picture of that. Because we know that joy is often expressed best through relationships. You saw Amaria and Lucy hug each other. Like Relationships 
are where we see joy played out. And this is what it says in Psalm 1611. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. If you were to look at the original translation of this psalm, it actually would point you to this. Being face-to-face with God will bring us joy. And if you want to know a reason why the gathering of the church matters, whether it's this gathering or the gathering of a few, it matters because it puts us in the presence of the Father. If you want to know why prayer and reading with him matters, it's because anytime we seek his face, the other side of that can be lasting joy. Remember, it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit, not the fruit of you or me. And the more our relationship flourishes with the Father, the more we can experience lasting joy. That matters because of our second point, and that's this. Spirit-filled joy brings hope in the midst of trouble. How do you know that the joy you're experiencing is the joy of the Lord and the supernatural? Because when joy shows up for the person connected to the Father, it often shows up in the places where it makes no sense. Sure, joy makes sense at the hospital when there's a newborn to the dad and the mom and the grandma and grandpa. But what about in the tragedy? Can joy exist there? Psalm 30 verse 5 says, For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts, or his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. Supernatural joy has the power to exist in the places and spaces in our life where it does not normally show up. Joy shows up at the funeral when we've lost someone close to us, but yet somehow we're able to huddle together and tell stories and laugh when we should just be crying the whole time. Joy shows up when we lost everything, and yet we see what is still around Joy is the hope of God in our life. Supernatural joy is a powerful ally to hope. And often it shows up just in the moments when we need it most. That's how you know that you have the joy of the Holy Spirit. Not just in the moments where it makes sense, but in the moments where it doesn't make sense. This past few years, we uh, have both experienced the loss of our father, uh, mine in 2019, uh, my wife's in 2022. And in, in, in all those cases, there are those private moments together that just produce joy. For us, uh, there have been many times when we were on the way to the cemetery and um, the moments when you're just, you should be feeling one thing, but there's this joy thinking about all of the the conversations that would be happening right now by our dads. How does that happen? We just lost someone close to us. There's supernatural joy. This last one is, the, is, is I believe, the most important. It's how we can begin moving towards joy in our life. If you are someone that battles to have joy like me when things get tough, how can you walk through the door and start experiencing the fruit of joy in your life? And one of the things that I have been challenged with by people in my life and by the scriptures is this, is to have gratitude. Gratitude can lead us towards supernatural joy. When we need it most, 
How can we open ourselves up to the work of the Holy Spirit? How can we open ourselves up to what God wants to do in our life? Gratitude. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21 through 26. Lamentations is a book in the Bible in the Old Testament. And if you want to know if the Bible speaks real about hardship and trouble, just find Lamentations online somewhere and start reading. Because the author of that book tells it like it is. It is two chapters leading up to three that are all about just despair and struggle in the last two chapters. But right in the middle, the tent pole of the entire book of poetry, right there, there's this. 21 through 26. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. So I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for the salvation from the Lord. The writer is clearly going through something awful. He starts out by saying, I will never forget this awful time. But what does he do? He says to himself, his self-talk is literally, I'm going to remember the goodness and the greatness of God. Of the moments when he showed up in my life before this moment. I had a student in my youth group. I was a youth pastor at, Shiv- at Southeast Christian Church, at Shively Christian Church, and I all these stories. And at Southeast, we had a young lady named Jana Roby who, middle school, high school, she got struck with something that really took her life down a struggle path. Towards the end of her life, you could barely recognize her. I mean, her eyes, she couldn't see completely out. She was in a wheelchair. But Jana had something that I looked at and I went, man, I want that. She had joy. And often I would ask her mom, like, what, how, would, how is Jana full of, like, how are you joyful right now? You're watching your daughter struggle. And when you hear the, the song that Jana wrote near the end of her life, she wrote a worship song to God. When you hear that song, what she did, she had gratitude for what God had done for her before that moment and in that moment. And so today, if you're wrestling with where's the joy, how do I find joy? Like I get that the Bible says the Holy Spirit should produce joy in my life. Well, where do I begin the conversation? Where do I begin looking for it? Well, it becomes with a self-conversation between you and him. of just saying, God, thank you for the joy of. Thank you for the joy of and inserting in that blank the moments where you vividly remember God showing up in your life. So to prepare for worship, here's what I want to do. I want to go ahead and stand up if you're able to. If not, no worries. But if Right where you're at this morning, I want to open the door to a floodgate of joy in your life. In fact, I want you to open the door. And I want you to open the door through having a conversation with God about gratitude. Because for me, in the journey I've been in, it's the only thing that I have seen as God shows up moment after moment. It's the gratitude of what he's done in the past that has helped me in the present. So if you're someone that um, likes to close your eyes so you're not distracted during prayer or whatever, I encourage you to do that now. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to think back to a moment. 
where God showed up, where you have a vivid memory of him in your life. And I want you to replay that moment right now. Every detail, where you were, what he did, how you felt. I just want you to go back there. Make it as real as if it happened today. Go back there right now. And then when you're ready, tell him thank you. Thank you, God, for the joy of. And insert as many things in there as you want. Father, I I thank you for the joy of gathering with friends. God, I thank you for the joy of having kids that laugh and play. But God, I thank you for the joy of keeping my marriage together many years ago when it was tough. And you showed up in our lives and you did a supernatural work in me and in her. God, I thank you for the joy of when you showed up, when our our expenses were out of control and the medical bills were piling up and you showed up. God, I thank you for the joy of ending an addiction that I thought would never end. God, I thank you for the joy of seeing you work in a friend's life who I thought would never, ever come to know you. God, I thank you for the joy of being able to just talk to you moment after moment and cry and yell and scream and do all the things this past semester of life. I thank you for the joy of of you showing up and receiving all those things. God, I thank you for the joy of knowing you. Because God, it makes no sense that you would place your power and your presence inside of me. I'm just a broken human. But yet you do. God, I I am so thankful, and I want to begin by just saying thanks. Holy Spirit, I pray for supernatural joy today. I pray that we bear much fruit in this room, even in the tough moments. And as I learned last service, I just, there are some tough situations in this room, and I pray that you meet them where they're at, and not bring something fake to their life, but something supernatural a supernatural joy that can only come from you. Amen.